Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. We're going to turn to Numbers chapter 13. We'll start in verse 17, and, and, and if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that a lot of the, uh, a lot of the books in, in the beginning of your Bible kind of are centered, around, uh, are centered around this one idea of, of the Israelites getting to the promised land. And if you've been in church at least once in your life, you've probably known that is kind of the goal here, for the Israelites to get to the promised land. You've heard these terms before. And so uh, this, 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 this promised land uh, that, that God is promising them is in Canaan, and it's actually promised... Uh, uh, from God to Abraham and his descendants 400 years before we were reading today. And so, you know, it seems like after, after the Israelites were rescued from Egypt, they went through the Red Sea. Remember Moses, part of the Red Sea, and they walked right on through. You've seen the Prince of Egypt, the, the, the movie, you know what I mean? And uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. So they, they go through the Red Sea, and, it, and they're in the wilderness, right? You've probably heard this. And so Israel is, is in the wilderness, uh, and it looks like they're wandering because they're lost, but really they're not lost. They know where the promised land is. They're, they're just wandering because they're following God. There's, there's a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire in night, and wherever God moves that pillar, that's where, that's where the uh, Israelites go. And so they're following Jesus. The, the Israel was or f- following God, following the, the, the Spirit of God. So Israel was just following the original GPS, godly positioning system. <laughs> but dad now, I get to use dad jokes. Okay. Legally, I get to use dad jokes. But, uh, you know, they, they weren't lost. They knew where the promised land was. They knew where Canaan was. They, that was the problem. They knew where that was. It wasn't a secret, but they were just following God, waiting for the moment that they were going to be able to step into that promised land. And so what we read in Numbers here is, is, is Moses is sending out, and I'll give you a little context. Moses is sending out 12 spies. He says, hey, this land is really, really good. This is the promised land. Go and check it out. And God tells, tells Moses to go and, and send these spies. To, to get to get a just kind of a just to get a status report on the land, see see what's there, see who's there, see how good it is. Uh, not because it would be you know any more or less of a promise, but I, I think God just wants to keep him informed, and that way nothing's a surprise, you know. So God's a good God like that sometimes, and. Um, so, so this is where we're going to read. We're going to read where, where, where Moses sends out these 12 spies. We're going to start in verse 17 of chapter 13. We'll go all the way uh, a little bit to, to pass. Yeah, we'll just go till we stop. How about that? It'll be on the screen. You just, whenever there's no words, just stop reading, okay? <laughs> all right, verse 17 says this. Moses gave the men these instructions. He sent uh, one man from each tribe, which there's 12 tribes, so the 12 spies. Moses gave these men instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev, through the, through the hill country, and see what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many, and see what kind of land they, they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls, or are they unprotected like open camps? Or is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back some samples of some of the crops you see. and happen to be the season for harvesting the, uh, the, the first ripe grapes. And so they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob to Labo Hamath. Uh, going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron. Hebron, you just make up these, it doesn't matter, but where Ahiman and Sheshai and Talmai I don't know. And all the descendants of Anak lived, the, the ancient town of Hebron, Hebron, whatever, 
It was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. And they brought it back, samples of pomegranates and figs, that place that was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster. So because it was a cluster of grapes and the Israelite men cut there. And, and after exploring the land for 40 days, all, all the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel, Kadesh, and the, in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land, which was, this was their report to Moses. We enter the land you sent us to explore, and indeed, it is a bountiful country, land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as he stood before Moses. Come on, let's go at once and take the land, he said. We certainly can conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land and among the Israelites, the land we traveled through and explored will, will devour anyone who goes, who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And then the whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Aaron was another leader of Israel at the time. And if we only had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. And wouldn't it be better for us just to return to Egypt? So they, they, they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt, to go back to where they were enslaved in. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of... <clears throat> tore their clothing, and they, they said... <laughs> They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us to safety in that land and he'll give it to us. It's rich and flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless prey to us. They don't have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb too. Then the glorious presence of the Lord filled all the Israel, I'm sorry, appeared, appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs that I have done among them. And, and this is where we, we leave the story. And, and you know, uh, God goes on, on on a montage about how he's upset, about how they just they don't trust him anymore. You know, all the, all the things that God has done for them up until this point from, from Abraham all the way down to Moses, and, and still they're, they're just inches away from the promised land, the land that God has promised to them, and they won't take it because they're afraid. Of course God is upset. God is, God is upset because, you know, he's, he's like, come on, after all I've shown you, you still don't trust me. I mean, just a few days ago, they walked through an entire sea on dry land, you know, and they still don't trust the Lord. And, and so 
if, if you know your Bible well, and, and if not, I'll tell you, uh, what happens is, is, is that God says, look, if you want to, if you're complaining and you want to die in the wilderness, then that's, that's what's going to happen. I'll make sure you don't get into the promised land, and your children will receive the blessing that you missed out on. And I know that seems a little harsh, but we have to understand that, that God is a sovereign God, and he's, he's giving us his promise, and, and his ways are right, not ours. And so when we, when we uh, neglect to f- obey his ways and we try to do things our own way, it's just not going to work out the way that God planned it to be. So he says, look, your, your children will inherit this. And Joshua and Caleb, the two, of the, ten, or the two of the 12 spies that actually spoke up and said, we trust God, they were the ones to lead them across the Jordan River into the promised land 40 years later. And so, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to imagine the story. What, what might have happened? We can ask this question sometimes in the Bible. What, what could have happened differently if, if somebody would have said something else or if, if, if the whole nation maybe wouldn't have freaked out? <laughs> well, how, how could things have happened any differently? And so I'd like to imagine how, how different the story could be if they had not stopped moving forward in the promise of God and not had become overwhelmed with fear and anxiety and worry and just trusted God in the first place. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I, I want to talk about this, and I'm going to speak from this simple title, Forward Faith. If you're taking notes today, that's, that's, our, that's our sermon title today. It's Forward Faith. Forward Faith. We, we have a forward faith to live. It's never stagnant. It's always moving. God is always moving, and we have to be in step with him. So, so this is what I want to talk about today. How, how can we not be overwhelmed by fear? How can we not be overwhelmed by anxiety and worry? And how can we keep moving forward into the promise of God, forward faith? So I'm going to bless this and, and uh, I pray that God would, would speak to us today. God, thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you so much that it is still true today. Even 3,500 years later, it's still true today. And uh, God, we thank you that you have made a way for us to connect with you, that, that you paid the price that it took for us to have relationship with you. And so God, I pray we would exercise that today in full faith that we know that you are for us, you're not against us, you'll never leave us or forsake us. So God, I pray you would speak to us today, fill us with your wisdom, fill us with your knowledge, and uh, let us leave completely different than the way we came in. God, we're, we're trusting you for this, and we believe you can do it. In Jesus' name, all the church said, amen, amen. Um, this is kind of an obvious question, but have you ever been overwhelmed? Have you ever, did I hear a slight chuckle, like that's sarcastic? Jeez. Have you ever been overwhelmed? I'm, I'm sure we all have been overwhelmed. There, you know, what, is, what does overwhelm mean? Let me just give us a definition. When you're, you're just, you're completely over-consumed by something. You're, the, the weight of something is just too much to bear, and it's too much for you to handle. And this, this feeling of over, over, overwhelmed is, is not necessarily a good or a bad feeling. It's just a feeling, and what we're overwhelmed by is the determining factor of whether it's good or bad. And, you know, um, I'll tell you one, one time that I, I've been overwhelmed, actually a lot recently, uh, in terms of, have you ever just started crossing off your to-do list at your house and you're like, oh my gosh, how have I gotten myself in a hole this deep? <laughs> um, we, we just, we've been trying to, let's see, I've, I've been finished, I've been telling everybody I'm finishing my basement for the past, I don't know, since before my son was born, he'll be eight months this month. So, um, <laughs> and it's still not done. I just started painting uh, this week. 
So it's finally like getting on the finishing touches. But I, I'll tell you what, man, when, when, I, when I started this project, I convinced my wife, because you know, every, every husband has to convince their wives, it seems like, to be able to start projects in the house. And that's nothing against it. Wives keep us accountable, We're, because we know what happens. Uh, and so, so I've had to convince my wife, like, babe, it'll be fine. I'll have it done in you know, two to three weeks. It'll be no problem. Not a problem at all. And, uh, you know, because, you know, you've seen Extreme Home Makeover. I mean, they, they, they redo this entire house in 24 hours, right? Or 24, 48 hours, whatever. It's a short period of time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you just put up some, you know, oh, pff, that's nothing. That's nothing. And so, you know, I, I started, I, I actually, I preached on this once about just being unprepared and, and not knowing what you need. And uh, so, <laughs> I, you know, you go to Lowe's like three or four times in a day trying to get the right stuff just because you don't know. And you, you sit there and you're like, man, this is just not lining up right. And, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a builder of the kingdom of God, not a builder of basements. So it's not my gift, okay? And uh, so just leave that there. But I just, I've been so overwhelmed lately with the amount of stuff that just goes into this. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm trying to have a home office so I can, I can be home with, with uh, Stephanie and Judah more often and you not know, have to drive so far. And so uh, I've, been, I've been trying, like this is urgent. I've been trying to do it, but I'm just so overwhelmed sometimes with the amount of work that goes in. And uh, especially drywall, gosh, that's the worst. That is the, and dust everywhere takes years to get done. But, uh, you know, and, and I've got ADHD too. So anything that takes more than a day, I just don't want to finish. I want to start everything, don't want to finish it. But surely you've been overwhelmed with house projects or things like that. Maybe even overwhelmed with good things sometimes. Um, have you ever been to Starbucks? Uh, have you looked at the menu? <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? And it's like you, you go in there for the first time. You're like, hey, I'd like a, I'd like a, uh, a small. You mean a tall? No, a small. It's a tall. Whatever. And, you know, you look at all the stuff. And you're like, how can you do this all with coffee beans? And you stand there. I remember the first time I went to Starbucks. I was like, <sighs> Just overwhelmed with the amount of options that I had and the amount of your choices that, that you know, I, I didn't even know I could make. Um, you know, we love texting our friends all the time, but have you ever been overwhelmed with text messages? I've got 160 unread text messages on my phone right now. I had to turn off the badge because there's so many. I'm so overwhelmed. Or, you know, like group texts. Group texts are the worst because it's like, you know, you, you get it in and someone else starts chiming in and you're trying to be focused. And it's like, oh my gosh, what can you possibly be having a conversation about? And even Siri is like, bro, are you trying to mute this conversation or what? This is ridiculous, you know? And so we could be overwhelmed by good things. Have you ever seen a kid go to Chuck E. Cheese? It's ridiculous. They, they, flip out. You give them $10 worth of coins. They're like, oh, they run all around the place. And it's, you know, Chuck E. Cheese is weird. It's like, yeah, children's casino with a giant rat. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me how we can be overwhelmed by good things, overwhelmed by bad things. Some things in, in, are really good. Like, I've been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and, and you know, many, many worship experiences at, at times. And, and it's not too much of the Holy Spirit is what I'm, I'm saying. is It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying there, there are times, you know me, I, I like to talk a lot. There have been times where I'm speechless in the presence of the Lord because I'm just so overwhelmed by his goodness and his grace and his mercy. I just can't do anything but just to stay silent. And you know, that's a miracle for me. And so I know the Holy Spirit's moving when I just don't have anything to say. You know, maybe you're just trying to follow Jesus and you're overwhelmed because, gosh, look at this huge book. Now you've got to memorize it all. This huge rule book that you're like, oh, man, you know, I thought this whole Jesus thing was easy, but now that you hand me the rule book, this is, this is ridiculous. And, and I want you to know, too, this, this, isn't a, this isn't a rule book. It's a storybook of God's love and, and grace and mercy and, and his redemption plan for you and me. And honestly, it's not even that overwhelming if you can actually, if you do 12 minutes a day of, of Bible reading, you finish it in a whole year. So we put it in context, it's not overwhelming. But when you get it at first, you're like, man, this is just too much for me to handle too much for me to, to bear, too hard, too heavy. 
And then sometimes we're overwhelmed with fear and doubt and worry. And I don't want to sound insensitive, but when you're overwhelmed with fear compared to overwhelmed with the amount of options you have at Starbucks or the amount of house projects you have to do, it seems like, you know, we can manage these being overwhelmed this way a little bit. But man, when we're overwhelmed with, with fear and doubt and worry and anxiety, this messes us up. This is, this is hard. When we're overwhelmed with, with something we were never designed to feel, this is hard. You know that, right? We were never designed to feel fear. We were never designed to experience worry and doubt and anxiety and depression. We were never designed to, to experience all of that because when God created us, he created us in this perfect design. And when sin entered his perfect plan, it made it corrupt. And so now what we get experience are things that we were never designed to experience in our lives. And, and so we wonder why, wow, it feels like you know, some days I just can't get out of bed. Some days I, I just lay there. I, I, I'm just so overcome and overwhelmed by fear and this, this, this spiritual darkness, this emotional heaviness that's over me. I, I don't know what to do. It's because we were never designed to feel it. And so, of course, this is, this is hard. And, you know, we, 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 we think of, of different ways we can feel fear and her overcome, you know, we're, fear of the unknown, fear of financial loss, fear of the doctor's diagnosis, fear for our kids and the society they have to grow up in now, fear for our futures. Sometimes we fear for our lives. It's never good. And it, it's so overwhelming and it's so overpowering with everything else in our lives. It's too much for us to handle, and not only is it is it um, is it emotionally heavy and spiritually heavy, it's also physically heavy. It makes you physically tired. The amount of of when we're overwhelmed by fear, because our brains are running all over the place. And what do we do when we're overwhelmed with fear? You know, as 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 a Christian, I'm sure you're here trying to trying to know more about Jesus. Obviously, that's why you're here today. And you're like, you know, man, I've, I've been trying to follow Jesus, but it just seems like I'm too overwhelmed with the things of this world. Or, man, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm still overwhelmed with anxiety and worry. Shouldn't a follower of Jesus, I'm trying here, you know. God, where are you, it seems like sometimes. We're just overwhelmed. How, how do we navigate being overwhelmed? Like, how do we navigate fear? And, 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 and how do we navigate through this through this emotion, through this, this, I mean, sometimes we're in a season of fear that's short, but man, sometimes we're in a season that lasts years, decades sometimes. And maybe some of us are in that today, and maybe some of us are on the way out, maybe some of us are, have been out, and you can look back and like, yeah, that it really sucked. There's something about being overwhelmed with fear. And I love that the Bible is not just some big rule book, but it's actually a storybook. And we can read this thing and, and see how people, real people that experience real feelings, how they're feeling too. And, and you know, this is, this is real, uh, this is a real story with real people with real emotions and, and, and you know, real stuff and real problems 3,500 years ago. And so, you know, <clears throat> while they were God's chosen people, Israel, they still struggled with this stuff sometimes. They, they, they acted like you and me sometimes. And a lot of the time we can read the Bible and be like, man, they're so stupid. <laughs> and we go out and do the exact same thing and don't even realize. But, you know, just, just, just think about, just think about the, the, the text we read this, uh, this morning just for a moment. You know, think if, if, if you're Moses and God tells you that you're these, you know, these 500,000 people you're leading, you just let out of a... <clears throat> Out of, a, out of a Red Sea uh, due to, to God's miraculous provision for them. You know, God tells your scrawny group of Israelites, hey, go and, you know, go and take over this promised land. I know there's 
Lots of Canaanites and Jebusites and Mykonites and termites and all that stuff over there. But don't worry about them. I'll take care of you. Can you, can you imagine how, how Moses might feel? But I think Moses had a little bit more faith than the rest of the, the Israelites, you know. <clears throat> but just to give you some context, these, these people, the Israelites, have been slaved, enslaved for 400 years. 400 years under Egyptian slavery. So, so they're, they're not warriors by any means. They're submissive people. They, they didn't know how to fight. They didn't know strategy. They knew how to submit to Egyptians. Sometimes they knew how to submit to Egyptians better than they knew how to submit to God. But that's another story, another story for another time. But they didn't know anything about war. They didn't know anything about weapons or armor or, you know, battle techniques. They didn't know anything about that. And Moses is telling them that God is saying they need to in, in, invade this land and, and God's going to drive them out. <laughs> you're, you're telling me that we, you expect all the Israelites to believe this guy. And, and they see it in their own eyes. And, and you know, these, these people are giants and they're warriors. And you're supposed to go in there and just take over the land. And, and, you know, if Moses is wrong, let's just talk about this for a moment. If Moses is wrong, it's not like you can just go and start, you know, like, hey, we're going to take every land and be like, actually, this is a really bad idea. Can we just shake hands and, you know, be fine? You can't do that. These, these people, they didn't care about, they didn't care about morals. They didn't care about, uh, you know, human, human beings at all. These were pagan, uh, you know, they worshiped different gods and they were just warriors and, and, and barbarians. They didn't care about anything but themselves. And, and, you're, and you've got this scrawny group of people that with, with their God, and they're going to be able to drive out these people in the land. And, you know, <clears throat> if Moses is wrong, this is it. This is all they've got. They're done. It's, their life is on the line, literally. And, and, you know, so, of course, Israel's overwhelmed with fear and anxiety because in their minds, if they take over this land, they're going to die. And if they don't take over the land, they're going to die because they're out in the wilderness, right? They, this is not sustainable land. They're, the reason they're headed towards the promised land is because that was sustainable land. They were going to live there. It was, you know, like, like the Bible says, it was flowing with milk and honey. It was fruitful. There was tons of, of, of um, it was, um, what do you call it? Fertile. It was, it was a very fertile land. And so, you know, this was where they were headed, and now the plans have changed. And, you know, it's always scary when, when things don't go as planned. I'm sure we can experience this. It's always scary when things don't go as planned. And what makes matters worse is not only that they didn't go as planned, they, they didn't have a backup plan. You know, God wasn't going to split the Red Sea back again and then go back into slavery with, you know, with the Egyptians. <clears throat> that was out of the question. And they couldn't move forward because they were going to be killed. And they're, they're in the wilderness now, and eventually it's, they're not going to be able to live there forever. So, so, you know, I'm sure that people are experiencing this this, this, this type of fear that, that comes when you, you, you just, your plans fail. <laughs> your plans fail. And there's nothing that, instill fears in, in, nothing that instills fear in you like something that just doesn't go according to plan, especially when we don't have a backup plan. Humans, we know this very well. We hate when our plans don't, don't go the way we thought they would. And, you know, it's something that when it doesn't go according to our plan, we start to freak out. You know, when, when you get laid off from your job and you've been there forever, you've been there since they started, man, that's, that's rough. When you, you plan to end your career at this job, and all of a sudden now you're 10 years short of retirement or whatever, that, that's a scary place to be. When, you know, the, the person you plan on spending the rest of your life with now is no longer in the picture? Come on, that's, that's terrifying. When you make a bad, huge investment, when your car breaks down and you really just don't have the money to fix it or the knowledge or the people to help you get it fixed, you know, maybe it's not even something huge. Maybe it's just a bunch of small things that pile up time after time after time and eventually you're just like, man, this is just not the way that I expected this plan 
my plan for my life to go. And when things don't go according to plan, it can throw a huge wrench in your emotional health too. And you know, when you're supposed to inherit this beautiful land, this, this bountiful, uh, fruitful land, and there's giants there and, 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 and warriors there and that are bigger than you, stronger than you, taller than you, clearly this is not the plan. Clearly. And the, and the, but, but there is no other plan. There is no other plan that, that, that we can come up with to, to be successful. You know, there is no other plan for us to continue living. We're just going to die out here. Thanks, God, for choosing us. We're just going to die out here. Thanks. Thanks a whole lot. You know, and, and I, I just imagine fear sweeping throughout the nation as, as you know, as, as parents are, you know, trying to console their kids, like, and their kids are asking, Dad, are we going to die out here? And parents are like, no, no we're going to be all right. And he has no idea. You know, because what clearly was supposed to be the promised land now is not because there's people there that are stronger than us, taller than us, and better than us. And I just imagine how overwhelmed does Moses feel, does Aaron feel, Joshua and Caleb, I wonder how overwhelmed they fear. Not necessarily, uh, not necessarily because they're not inheriting the promised land, but because now people are starting to turn on them. I mean, there are the only four people in over 500,000 people that actually believe God and there's threatens of, of, you know, overthrowing their leadership or stoning them even. I'm sure that they were kind of overwhelmed a little bit at, at this moment because they're confident in God and everyone else is not. And so they're, they're not taking over the land and it's, it's a scary place for them to be too. And man, I, I, I know we can all feel this way at some times when, when, when we, it feels like we have faith, but, but we just, we can't move forward because of, of, the, of the things, of the fears that overcome our faith sometimes. And, you know, I'm sure when, when Moses saw the promised land, he's like, oh, good, we're going to send some spies in there. Like, they're going to see it for themselves. And, then, you know, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be happy about it. They'll be excited and ready to move forward. And they get the report back. And, and it's like, hey, this is, it's too bad. We, we can't go. It's too bad. There's too many people there. And, you know, they, they, what Israel did is they stopped moving forward towards the promise of God because they were overwhelmed and overcome with fear. And ultimately, they missed out on the promise of God because they stopped moving forward. And I find it interesting how we get to this point in Scripture, in this story specifically, how, how we get to this point in where, how did Israel become overwhelmed like this in the first place, right? You know, so let's rewind. Before everyone was, was freaking out, Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land, Canaan, right? And, 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 and he asked for a report. He asked for, hey, go find out more information. That's all I want. I don't want your opinion. I want your information. And so this is what Moses did. He sent him out there. And so, you know, God, or Moses already knew, Moses already knew the land was theirs. It was a 480-year-old promise. And he's like, we're already taking it. I just, God wants us to know some more information about it. And so he sends the 12 spies and back he gets, or he gets back the report. And, and you know, the, the, the 12 spies or 10 of them at least say, hey, we've got some good news and bad news. What do you want first? And they tell them the good news. Hey, this land is really, really good. This land is awesome. It, it's got huge grapes. Look at these grapes. They had two men carrying the grapes. It's got fertile plants there, fertile soil, you know, and, and, and this, this is a great land. This is awesome. Uh, but the bad news is uh, we can't take it. <laughs> it was like, what? Why, why? Well, you know, there, there are people there that are too powerful, too plentiful, and it would just be impossible for us. It, we, we can't do it. There's, it's too bad. And, and, you know, it's interesting to me how quickly that bad news was spread and how quickly the good news was squashed. And I just, I just find that interesting to me because, you know, you've got a report of both good and bad news. And, and despite what Joshua and Caleb had to say about it, all the people wanted to do was spread the bad news. Oh, we're all, you know, woe to us. 
oh man, this is, this is impossible. We're just going to die out here in the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb were like, what? No, that, that wasn't the, the, the promise of God. We're, we're supposed to take this. No, no, no. The, the bad news is, is too, too bad. And it spread throughout the entire nation so quickly. I find that so interesting. And all they talked about was the bad news. All they talked about was the bad news. And it's just funny because <laughs> while we think like, oh yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. How could they do that? We do the exact same thing. We, we, oh, come on. We love bad news. We're drawn to bad news. Facebook. When's the last time you got on Facebook and saw some good news? <laughs> Honestly. When's the last time you, you turned to your, 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 your news station, whatever you align your beliefs with or whatever, and saw good news? When's the last time you, 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 know, you, you, you turned on the TV and there was something good happening? You know, and we say, oh, oh, I hate drama. Shut up. You love drama. When Becky comes to your desk, she pulls up a chair. She's like, I got screenshots. You're like, oh, girl, mm, let me get in this, you know. And you're like, let me find out what's going on because I got to have some bad news to ruin my day so I can be mad and, and feel good about something, you know. We love reality TV. No one watches The Bachelor because it's a great love story. You watch it to watch the girls rip each other apart, okay. We love bad news. We're always drawn to bad news. We're attracted to bad News and man, wouldn't high school have been <laughs> so much better if the good news spread more quickly than the bad news? That's just not the case. Bad news sells, and news people will tell you that bad news sells. Did you know 90% uh, of, of the news that we consume in a day is all bad news? 90%. And studies have shown uh, that, that it's not necessarily that there's 90% more bad things that happen. They said throughout the course of time, it's pretty even, it's about 50 50. But all that we hear about, 90%, 90% of the stuff that we consume each and every single day is bad news. Americans, at least. But this is why church is so important, too, is because, you know, with all the bad news that we have going on in the world, we've got some really good news to share, the good news of the love of Jesus and his good news that is for all people, his forgiveness that is for all people. So it's so important we're in church, so important we're in the good news, in the word each and every single day, because when we're surrounded by bad news, it's easy to succumb to that. It's easy to believe all of the bad news that we hear and I think we can be so overwhelmed for the same reason that Israel was overwhelmed because they were too focused on the bad news that they forgot who their God was. We can get in this rhythm so, so quickly that we were so focused on the bad news that we forget who our God is. And that's what Israel did, and I think that's what we do a lot of the time too. But here's the thing about their bad news. And it's, it's kind of hard to hear, but everything that they said about Canaan the good news and the bad news, it was all true. Every single thing that they said was all true. It wasn't, it wasn't exaggeration. You know, the land was good, it was bountiful, and, you know, but it was, and that was true. But it was also true that there were opposing forces there with you know, nations already instilled in the land, already have fortified cities and walls and towns. And that was true too. It wasn't exaggeration, it wasn't a lie. And as, as hard as it may be to hear, they were right. They were right. They were completely incapable. They were completely ill-equipped. They, they were, they were um, not set up to, to, to perform a task like this, to do this. It was impossible for them to do on their own. This is the truth, and it's the truth that discouraged them. It's the truth that, that drove them to be overwhelmed by fear. And, and, and I, I want to just talk for a moment about when, the fact that Satan does this too. And a lot of... And I, he, stick with me here for a second. I don't like talking about Satan a lot because why, why waste our, our worship time talking about the enemy? But it's important to know his tactics so we can overcome and we can discern uh, what's going on in our lives. But, but Satan does this too. A lot of the time we think that Satan is just a liar, and he is. 
But more so than he is just a liar, he's a deceiver. And oftentimes he'll use truths or half-truths or a lot of the time out of context, out of context truths to discourage us. And, and a lot of the time what will really, really hit us hard is the fact that it is true. It's not a lie. A lot of times we can shake off the lies of the enemy, but man, it's really hard to shake off the truths of the enemy. And, and what I mean by this is, is you know, if, you've been, if you have been delivered from something and God has forgiven you of something that happened 10 years ago, God never brings that back up. I promise you, he never brings it back up. It's like when you have an argument with your spouse and you, for, you forgive each other and it was 10 years ago, you never bring it back up. Why? It's just not healthy. And he would never do that. God would never do that. But Satan will do that. And he'll attack our, our minds. He'll attack our confidence in the Lord. And he'll use truths to do that, just out of context truths. So we have to, we have, it, Satan does this to me a lot. He'll, he'll be like, hey, you're really ill-equipped, you're really unprepared, you're really uh, ineligible, you're really not worthy to be a pastor, but I have to remember that it's not me who called myself, it's not Satan who called myself, it's God, and I have to be confident in our God, and confident that what he says is true, and, and, and he can overcome the enemy, and we, we can shake off the truths of the enemy too. So, so a lot of the time, we can be overcome with fear, with truth, that's hard to hear, but we have to know that we don't place our trust in just truth, but we place our trust in the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And a lot of the times we place our trust in the wrong truth. We have to trust Jesus, who is the truth. When, you take the, when, you, when, when Satan hands you out of context truth, you have to put it in context with Jesus. I've already been forgiven of that. I, I've already been delivered from that. God is, is the one who called me, not you. And I'm going to stand here. He tells me my worth, not you. I'm going to stand here in confidence. Man, Satan hates when we're confident. I don't want to talk about him because why? <laughs> but it's important to know the tactics sometimes and, and, and so we can overcome this. But, but you know, it's, it's a lot of the time we, we're overcome with fear by truth. And I think that's where it gets us a lot. And, you know, this, this, uh, this, this is just how it is. These are the facts. This is what it is. And, 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 you know, your proverbial promised land is, is filled with giants and, and warriors. It's impossible for you to get in. You know, but, but I need you to hear me on this. Facts do not have the final word. Jesus has the final word. Facts do not, fear does not have the final word. Jesus has the final word. Bad news does not have the final word. Jesus has the final word. Your boss, your situation, the doctors don't have the final word. Satan doesn't have the final word. Jesus has the final word. And he is who is going to lead us into this, lead us out of being overcome with fear. We have got to be the church who refuses to see the facts at face value. Instead, filter them with faith. I'll say that again for your note takers. We've got to be the church who refuses to see the facts at face value, but instead filters them through faith. Jesus has the final word. We're going to get a lot of bad news in this life. I'm just going to be real with you. We're going to get a lot of bad news. There's going to be a lot of bad reports, but we cannot let it stop our forward momentum towards Jesus. Psalm 112 uh, Verse 6 and 8 says this, and, and he, uh, David is talking about righteous people, children of God. And he says, such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. 
They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless, and they can face their foes triumphantly. I want to read that again because someone needs that today. Such people, godly people, righteous people, people who are following Jesus will not be overcome by evil, but those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. We're, We're going to get bad news. We're going to get bad news. That is the truth. And, you know, our our trust just can't be in the temporary truth. It's got to be in the eternal truth, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. And, you know, when we we start to find ourselves uh, being overwhelmed with fear, just know that we've placed our truth in the wrong truth. That's a good sign. If we're overwhelmed with fear and worry and doubt, I think we need to evaluate which truth we're trusting in. Are we trusting in the facts or are we trusting in the Father? We've got to decide and make the intentional decision who we're going to place our trust in. Because when we allow fear to have the authority that faith deserves in our lives, it's going to be a big mess. When we allow fear to have the authority that faith deserves in our lives, we're going to be crippled and stop moving forward in the direction that God wants us to move us wants to move us in, and that puts us in a really bad position because that's how we miss out on on the on the blessings and the promise of God. That's how Israel did it. When they were overcome with fear and worry, they stopped moving forward because they placed their trust in the facts and not the Father. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we can ignore the truth. I think the truth is good, and, and the, let's just use facts, because I don't want to get confused. Let's not ignore the facts. The facts are good. The facts are informative, and, and I think God, a lot of the time, wants us to have some of the facts, but we can't pretend like the bad news. We can't pretend like the facts don't exist. Joshua and Caleb didn't walk around saying, hey, this land is great, and you know what? There's actually nobody over there, and it's going to be fine. We're going to walk in, and we're just going to take it right over because this is, this is who we were, the children of God. You know, we have this promise, and there's nobody over there. There's no giants. Blah, blah, blah. We're just going to ignore them. We're going to blot them out. It doesn't matter. They didn't do that. They said, yeah, it's, it's true. There, there are giants over there. There, there are warriors and barbarians. Man, it's, it's, it's not good, but we have a God who is good, and, and we, we, trust, we, we trust in him that this promise that he made us 400 years ago, he's going to fulfill. You know, this, this, is, this is the facts. This is the facts of our, our Father. We can't ignore the facts. We can't ignore the bad news. David didn't say, you know, I'll never walk through the valley of the shadow of death again. He said, no, no, even when, and even if, or not even if, even when, and I know I will, Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because you are there beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And I'll be in the, I'll, I'll be in the, the house, I'll live in the house of the Lord forever all the days of my life. He didn't say, ah, oh, it's never going to happen. He said, even, even when, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We can't ignore the facts. We can't ignore, uh, we can't ignore the news. Uh, these are the facts, but we, can, we have a decision to make. Either we can let faith motivate us or fear paralyze us, and there's really the only two options we have. Either we move forward or we stop moving forward. So, so we, can, we can use the facts or they can use us, and th- th- this, is what, this is what we have. But, but hear, hear me, too, when I, when I say this, um, because a lot of the times you, you have to, there's no miracle without deficiency, there's no healing without sickness. There's no provision without a need. So, so it's important to know what we need. It's important to know what our obstacles are. It's important to know what the challenge is so that way we know what to pray for. 
the facts are great. The information is great. We need to know what that is so we know what to pray for. And we can use that instead of us, or instead of them using us. If we don't understand the severity of the need, I don't think we appreciate the power of the miracle sometimes. So when you get bad news, just know you're in perfect position for a miracle. When you get bad news, you are in perfect position for God to move. But we have to keep moving forward. That is the challenge. We have to keep moving forward. It's a forward faith, not a stagnant faith. Despite the facts, don't stop moving forward towards Jesus. Because the closer we are to Jesus, the further we are from fear. 1 John 4.18 says this, Perfect love casts out all fear. I want to read it from the message translation, the, the whole passage. It says this, and Noah, you can come on up wherever you are. I don't know. Play me some quitting music here. Thanks. So I, know, so I know when to shut up. It says, God is love. When we take up our permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, the love has the run of the house. It becomes at home and matures in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room for love. I'm sorry, there is no room in love for fear. I'll read that again. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not one yet fu fully formed in love. God is love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So the closer we are to Jesus, the closer we are to the Father, the further away we get from fear. And I know that that, that sounds really like a pastor thing to do. It's like, oh, what do I do when I'm overwhelmed with fear? Well, just get close to Jesus, you know? But for real. I mean, honestly, I, I, I know that we, we have this, this idea of faith sometimes where we think our faith is just going to church. Our faith is just, you know, reading the verse of the day. And I think that's great. I think that's important. Our faith is giving tithes. And, you know, that's, that's important and all. But I, I want you to understand you don't have a relationship with the church. You don't have a relationship with the Bible. You don't have a relationship with the tithes. You've got a relationship with the, the God who sacrificed his, his life for you and me. And so when we, when we think of it this way, man, really, I, I, I have no fear in Jesus. I have no fear in his presence. The closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to the Father, the further we are from fear. I said it earlier, if you, if you feel like you're being overwhelmed with, with fear and, and doubt and worry and all these things we were never designed to feel, I, I think it's, it's a good sign that we need to see who our trust is in. The closer we are to Jesus. And so, so when we're overwhelmed with fear, th this, is what, this is what Israel should have done. They should have remembered, and, and God said this too. He said, man, can't... I, don't they know that I've already gotten them through all this? Can't they see what I've done for them already? And I think this is a, a, a beautiful way. If you're, if you're feeling fearful today, if you're feeling worried today, if you're feeling anxious today and, and you know, doubtful today, let's think back on all that God has done. Think back of how he's brought you through before and where he's brought you to now. Where you are now may not be a pretty place, but I promise you God is there with you and he's just waiting for you to find him. Uh, 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 Jeremiah 29, 
um, 13 says this. It says, those who look for me will find me. It takes an intentionality to look for God intentionally to, to, to see him moving in your life. And I think the more we are looking for God, the more we are looking for ways to worship, the less we'll fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And I want us today, I, I, I don't want us to, this is just for me to you as your pastor, your friend, I, I, I don't want us to, I, I don't want to see us miss out on the promises of God in our life. And not that everything about Christianity is about blessing. I No, we've already received the greatest blessing there is. God didn't, wouldn't have, God could have never done anything else other than give his life and we would be absolutely fine. But he is a good God. He's a good father and he wants to be involved in the everyday parts of our lives. He wants to be with you. And so he wants to do things with you. He wants to bless you. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. He wants to bless you. He does. And so I don't, want us to, I don't want to see us miss out on the blessing of God just because we're unwilling to move forward in faith to believe that he is who he says he is and he can do what he, can, he, can do what he says he can do. So I want, us to, I want to challenge us today. And if you don't take anything else from this, just take this. Never stop moving forward towards Jesus. Never stop moving forward towards Jesus. If you aren't constantly pursuing your spouse, your marriage is going to fall apart. If you just cling to the wedding day, oh yeah, we got married 25 years ago. Yeah, but it's an everyday decision to choose your spouse and it's an everyday decision to choose Jesus too. We, we, you know, we, we don't expect us to grow in relationship with our spouse by not ever talking to them or not ever being with them, but we expect our relationship with God to grow in the same way and it just doesn't make any sense. So I want to challenge us today to never stop moving forward with Jesus. Never stop stepping in his direction, even if it's just a small step, even if it's all you can take. Never stop moving forward with Jesus. Not only will you miss out on the promise of God and, and possibly even the eternal promise of God, the eternal promised land, but you'll miss out on the everyday incredible parts where he's involved in our lives. You see all these weird Christians. I like to consider us weird Christians sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, we, we're, we're just, we're passionate about Jesus. We're, we're passionate about him being involved in our lives and we're, we're passionate about being with him every day. And I think in, in terms of normality, that's becoming an abnormality nowadays in, in Christian circles. But, but understand, this is a relationship. It's not just a decision, it's a relationship. And he wants to be with you wants to have your heart, wants to have your life, and wants to have you stepping in his direction. Never stop moving forward. Never stop moving forward. If we're feeling overcome with faith, or I mean, overcome, that would be great. If we're feeling overcome with fear, move forward in faith. That doesn't mean everything's going to change and, and, and happen the way you want it to. You know, we'll, we're still going to get bad news. We just choose how we're going to react to the bad news. It doesn't mean the bad news goes away. I wish I could tell you that. It's not true. You know, if you get an eviction notice, and, and God, God might give you a really good job. He may not give you an extension. He may give you a really good job. So God doesn't work in the nece necessarily the way we always would like him to, but he is working. He's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of you. I promise you that. So if you're over overcome with fear today, I want you to know we have a God who loves us, God who takes care of us. 
He wants to bless us. He, he, he wants to be with us. And he's going to take care of you. He's a good father. He gives good gifts. And he loves his kids. So let's never stop moving forward. I'm going to pray over us. I'll shut up and we'll go <coughs> beat the Baptist to the buffet, okay? All right. Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible, <coughs> incredible worship experience that we get to have and this time we get to spend with you. Man, better a, better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. God, we love your presence. We love that it's not just a sacrifice you made on that cross 2,000 years ago, but it's you moving in our everyday lives still today, knowing all that we've done, knowing wherever we've been, because you love us that much, it's worth the price to you, knowing how, how much we've messed up. It's worth it to you. You just want to be with your children. You just want to be with your kids. So God, I thank you for this, for this, um, for this gift of your spirit and of your presence and of your forgiveness. And I just want to speak to you in the room for a moment. If, if you are contemplating receiving the forgiveness of Jesus and you don't know what it really entails and you don't know what this life of Jesus looks like and, and you're anxious about the whole thing, you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I just want to encourage you today, before you leave this room, take a step towards Jesus. That's what he's asking for. He's asking for your heart. He's asking for your life. And that sounds really intimidating at sometimes, but, but it, it, it doesn't, it's not this weird prayer you have to pray. It's not this weird ritual you have to do. We just have to make a decision in your heart. And Jesus, I'm going to choose you and take a step towards him, whatever that looks like for you. And trust him more and more each and every single day. He's already forgiven you of everything that you've done. The price has already been paid. Eternal life is, is at, at, right here. It's just up to us to accept the forgiveness of Jesus, which he gives out so freely. The one in the room who doesn't think they're worthy of it, you're not, but Jesus gave it to you anyways. Nobody's worthy of it. The one in the room who thinks that they've gone too far, they don't deserve it, no, we don't deserve it, but he still gives it anyways. This forgiveness is for you. It's for me. It's for everybody in this room. So I want to encourage you to take a step towards Jesus today. Trust him with your heart. Trust him with your life. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And maybe those who have been following Jesus for a little bit longer, I want to encourage you today to not stop pursuing him. Sometimes we can get in these mundane ritualistic things of, you know, you get up early and you read some scripture, you go to work, you pray over your meals, and it just becomes this mundane thing. But Jesus wants you to pursue him, to constantly be stepping forward in his direction too, not just the newcomers. So I want to encourage you to do that today. Maybe rededicate your life even if it's for the thousandth time. 
He's just happy we're coming home. He's just happy we're coming home. God, we thank you for this, this rest that, that is of you and only in you and your yoke that is easy and burden that is light. We thank you we can trust you with our lives and you don't squander it. And you don't, you don't, you don't take advantage of us. You don't leave us. You don't forsake us. You don't treat us badly. No, you're a good and loving father. And we honor you in the room today. We honor you with our lives. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that's doing something in this place right now. God, I pray you give us the boldness and the courage to keep stepping forward in faith, to keep stepping forward in your direction, to, to step forward in the, in the promise and in the, in the paths that you've set up for us and the plans that you've set up for us that are good, that are to, to allow us to prosper and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. Thank you, Jesus, for this plan you have for our lives. And I just pray you give us the boldness and the faith and the courage and the strength to keep stepping forward in your direction because you are so good and we want to be with you today. God, empower us all week long and let us uh, find ourselves in situations that might be a little awkward, <laughs> but setting up an incredible miracle for you to do something in our lives and affect the other people that we come in contact with in our lives as well because your presence is contagious and your love is wild. We love you. We praise you. We give you all of our hearts, all of our lives, all of our strength in our mind today. It's all for you in your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Jesus.